things I worked on, which made me happy, was a voter registration drive. And these are the kind of things, this is the good side of Facebook. This is the kind of thing that you can only do with a company that has the sheer scale and reach of Facebook is we set ourselves a goal of registering 4 million new people. And we went over that target. We did 4.5. Uh, simply through like uh, the presence on our on the platform, getting businesses to tell their customers to sign up, etc. We hit 4 million. And then the, uh, even the media said this time that we were really good at keeping you know the Russians and the Iranians and the Chinese out of the election. It was really good. And you know, most most media does not praise Facebook. So when they praise Facebook, you know that we've actually done something. <laughs> so we're improving in those Yeah, years. wow, registering 4.5 million voters. That's a lot. We made a big difference. That's, yeah, I'm pretty sure we won that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. what, do you, what do you think? Exactly. I think so too. Wow. That is big stuff in the latest Project Veritas video. Good afternoon. I know, I know, it's been a while. And I know that I haven't been doing as many podcasts in the last couple of days. I have been very busy <laughs> doing the news. All the reporting that we're doing over at the nationalpulse.com is evidence of that. I thank you for tuning in to another episode of the National Pulse podcast. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com. If I said the National Pulse enough, it can never be enough. Firstly, that's an extraordinary clip that you heard in the open from Benny Thomas, the Facebook something-something, bigwig, right, over at Facebook, who Project Veritas released a video of Betty Thompson yes or Thomas yesterday talking about how Facebook has too much power and should be broken up. Hidden camera footage of him saying that himself. And today, the bombshell. Now, what you just heard was this guy from Facebook, one of their top data engineering guys top top as far as it goes inside facebook without being mark zuckerberg himself and he admits in that clip that the news that the national pulse reported back last i think it was august september maybe back when we had the television show we had Phil Klein on, who had done some digging and found out that Mark Zuckerberg, through this group CTCL, had funded elections and the way elections were conducted across the country. Now you've got a Facebook guy saying that Facebook was behind it. So not just Mark Zuckerberg and CTCL but also Facebook. I mean, listen to the words he says. We registered four and a half million voters. 
And if you're not familiar with this story, you have to go back in time and look up CTCL and Phil Klein and all of the work that they were, they were doing on this, showing how this big corporate money from Mark Zuckerberg was actually not just, they weren't just registering voters. They weren't just registering 4.5 million voters indiscriminately. They were targeting major, major Democrat counties to force the Democrat vote share up and suppress the Republican vote share. Now, that is, of course, the work of a political party and candidates. That is not the work of a major tech organization. It's certainly not the work of a social media company. And these are the same companies who have been telling us all along, don't regulate us. There's no need to regulate us. We're all about freedom and freedom of speech. And, and you know, we, we assure you we are committed to transparency and nonpartisanship. Mark Zuckerberg's guy, Benny Thomas, admitted in that clip that they did this, that they interfered with the U.S. election at a, at a logistical level. This is not an endorsement coming from the company. This isn't, hey, you know, we're going to provide cheaper advertisements to Team Biden than Team Trump. This is actually about the people who went to vote at the polls. This is extraordinary stuff. And in any, any free, functioning, fair, and non-corporate-run country, which I'm not sure that even describes any countries anymore, this would never stand. You, you know, the Attorney General, no matter whose side they were on, would be after a big corporate for doing this immediately. We, we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where this big tech social media behemoth supergiant of a company, two billion subscribers, decides who wins elections of the world's only superpower still for the time being I mean are you are you as are you as frustrated and flabbergasted at that as I am or am I am I just am I being naive and that's just the way it's been for a while now and and I shouldn't even be getting het up about this genuinely you got you've got to tell me I want you to leave comments and tell me wherever you we're listening to this, whether it's on the website through podbean go to the podbean comment section if it's on you know, some other podcast app, go and find the comment section, leave a review and leave me a comment. Am I nuts? Isn't this highly, highly objectionable? And he's laughing at the end of the clip when when the Project Veritas undercover reporter says, you know, this is how we won. She's posing as a Biden supporter. This is how we won. He goes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think so too. That's, that is prima facie evidence of, of major, major malfeasance. I don't know, I don't know what the specific statute is here. There's, I mean, I'd be stunned if this level of interference in an election was legal. This is not what I hopped on the podcast to talk to you about today. This came out seconds before I turned the on button on. Or the off button on. I, uh, 
and credit to Phil Klein and the Thomas More Society and all of those guys at got-freedom.org, I think is their URL. You know, go and leave them a tip. They called this. They came on my show. We broke the news. They called it. If you want to leave us a tip too, that wouldn't hurt me. (laughs) Thenationalpulse.com forward slash support. The thing I wanted to talk to you about today was or is a new report that came out this morning in the Washington Post. Now, I've got all sorts of issues with the Washington Post at the moment. I think the Washington Post has all sorts of issues with the Washington Post at the moment. We'll get into that in just a moment. But they had a new report out today. And everything, again, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, but you've got some catching up to do. All right, don't be intimidated by that. Embrace it, lean into it. This is a this is a podcast for the politically educated. So the politically educated in America do not believe the 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 conspiracy theory, I'm going to call it, the conspiracy theory that January the 6th was incited by Donald Trump at the ellipse and that his supporters then ran sprinted down capitol hill because that's the only way the timeline works remember they would have had to sprint down capitol hill at at record olympic runner pace to make it across town building pipe bombs along the way as they went you know of course that narrative has fallen apart completely the New narrative is, oh, you know, of course, the pipe bombs were placed the night before. Now, of course, of course, we knew that this was a pre-planned attack all along. Oh, of course, even though every news media, every corporate media outfit across the Western world said that people were radicalized by Trump's speech at the time. Remember, immediately, January 6th, January 7th, January 8th, January 9th, those were the, that was the narrative. And then it started to unravel, right? So they shifted once, they're shifting again. Listen, listen, I, I, I know I toot my own horn too much for it to be um, cute anymore, but, but there's a reason. <laughs> I guess it is still cute. There's a reason. I published the timeline of events on the National Pulse that weekend immediately after January the 6th when all of us, me included, were in the mumble tank. We were depressed. We didn't know where this was going to go. We didn't know whether we were going to be rounded up and sent to the gulags as a result of some ludicrous situation that unfolded on, 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 on the Capitol grounds. Mere minutes away from where I speak to you right now. Yeah, think about that for a second. I know you know me as this host of this podcast, and I run a website that you like going to, and uh, I'm on a show that you like watching, but I'm a human being. And think how it felt for us here on Capitol Hill in those days immediately after where all Trump supporters, all conservatives uh, are being called traitors and and insurrectionists and domestic terrorists you know everyone i knew feared that the government was going to come knocking at the door and that's they wanted us to live in that fear they wanted to paralyze us and that weekend i i I forced myself out of it 
and forced myself down with the timeline of events. I remember it. I will always remember it. I know we live this, you and I, right now, but this is history being made. We're living history. And January the 6th will always be a part of history in in the same way that 9-11 will always be a part of history, in the same way that JFK will always be a part of history, you know, in the same way that Trump's victory will always be a part of history, that the steel will always be a part of history. All of these moments that that are unfolding in quick succession. And you, and you live inside them, and you don't really truly always get to appreciate the gravity of what's taking place right now. I mean, the gravity of the United States Capitol building being wrapped in razor wire. If you had told the, the most bleak dystopian writers that 50 years ago, 20 years ago, they would have they would have told you i can't write that i'll get laughed out of the room the publisher won't publish something as ludicrous as that happening in america in ukraine sure in 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 kenya maybe in somalia always you know but in the united states of america like like it's saran wrap they're just going to cloak the capital in razor wire, for months on end, that's going to happen. While a president, a supposedly elected, elected, I'm doing big bunny ears with my fingers right now, doesn't give a press conference for two months? Come on. It's ludicrous. You'll never sell that movie. You'll never sell that script. So the the educated audience here understands the conspiracy theory but it's always interesting to see when when the left abandons part of the narrative right they know they've taken it too far the shark has been jumped too many times at that point and another moment another of those moments you had you've had two in quick succession from the washington post now in two days number one was the story we we reported yesterday early about the georgia uh, election phone call that trump had this stunning, stunning admission from the Washington Post that they effectively invented quotes and put them in the mouth of the president. Those quotes were then included in the impeachment, the impeachment two, impeachment number two in the documents as part of the historical record trying to indict a president because the Washington Post invented some quotes. What is the what is the you know reprisal for them? Where is the accountability? We'll get onto that. Maybe not today. But now you have another one this morning that came out, and we we have it up. My analysis, as I've written it, is up as the lead item on the nationalpulse.com right now. It's called Capital Riot. Fresh details confirm Trump and SecDef pushed to deploy National Guard while optics fears followed leftist outrage over BLM riot policing. That's a kind of a weird headline. I don't really usually write headlines like that. We're a bit more to the punch usually, right? But I'm trying to convey something in there that will make people realize, hold on a second. You know, this is just a tiny bit of an abandonment of the narrative now we're seeing from the left and the media. This is a f- wholesale abandonment of the narrative. 
We're actually winning this information war. It does not feel like it sometimes, but every day we chip away at another piece of their nonsense. Right? What are we there? Remember, I wrote that article. I was the first person to call into question the official sequence of events as it related to Officer Brian Sicknick. And they came after me for it. And then Darren Beatty comes in and he goes into it even deeper. And of course, the narrative is whittled away bit by bit by bit. And of course, the New York Times even had to retract their story on Brian Sicknick. Say, actually, he wasn't killed by a fire extinguisher to the head. Yeah. Well, the National Pulse audience knew that a while back. No blunt force trauma is autopsy found. CNN buries it, you know, at the bottom of one of their articles. I was like, nope, you're not doing that. This is a thing now. And it was a thing. It became a thing. So let's do that all again, shall we? Let's do that. And I will take pleasure in this till my last breath is correcting the record because what matters to us here is the truth you know i couldn't care less who's saying it so this takes me to a new washington post story not written by the way by the washington post's political team very important distinction in in media i really do not trust any political reporters in washington dc or anywhere in the country quite frankly my friends included Right, because political reporters are always subject to the whims and the demands and the uh, uh, quid pro quos of candidates, parties, narratives, etc., etc. They just are. They're a part of, you know, political reporters will pretend that they they are just observing a process. They are part of the process. They are part of the organism itself. They're not outside of it looking in and telling us what's going on. And I always always tell people as well, I expect you, ladies and gentlemen, to treat me with that same level of suspicion to the point where if I tell you something, go and find it out for yourself independently as well. Don't take my word for it. So sure I am in how we do the news, all the links that we put into this article that I hope you're all about to read, and I'm going to talk you through it right now. And don't take my word for it. So the new information that's come out is that the Washington Post claims that they have seen an internal draft memo from within the Pentagon and that Pentagon military planners rejected the idea of National Guard deployment ahead of January the 6th, right? And we've heard that a few times before, allegations one way, the other... I don't know if you watched the hearings like I did, but, you know, you had the chief, former chief of Capitol Police, Steve Sond, making one claim. You had another guy making another. They both getting contradicted by the sergeant at arms. And, it, you know, it's just kind of free flow of CYA, right? So the documents matter. And I'm glad that the Post, as much as I loathe the Post, seems to have got a hold of these documents. Because, again, eagle-eyed eagle-eared listeners, will have will remember the Vanity Fair article that came out. I guess it was... In fact, I can, I can check here so I get the date right for you. It was January the 22nd that Vanity Fair published these details about a conversation between Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller 
and then Commander-in-Chief President Donald J. Trump. And in the Vanity Fair article, Miller said that Trump told him the day before, told Miller, you're going to need 10,000 people. He's referring to the National Guard. You do what you need to do. That's an authorization. You do what you need to do. And Miller pointed out to him, hey, actually, somebody has to request it. You know, I can't just deploy 10,000 troops on the ground in D.C. There needs to be a request from somewhere. Now, Bowser, Mayor Bowser, who is one of the people that can put in these requests, said no. In fact, she didn't just say no. She said, we don't want your nasty, racist National Guard troops. I mean, she didn't say that, but it's implied in what I'm about to tell you. Because the Washington Post article, it's fascinating. Because again, we were talking about this, me and Jack Posobiec and, 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 and Darren Beatty, we've all been talking about this since, since that weekend when I went through the timeline, right? And like, what are, the, what are the factors at play here? Who was involved in the decision-making? What is the sequence of events? And it's important. It's important to understand because sometimes it can take years, if not decades, for conspiracies like this to unravel. Conspiracy theories like the left's, the blue and on conspiracy theories to unravel. But we're seeing it take place in, in weeks now. So... The army, I'm going to quote from the post piece here, the army ultimately relented after facing pressure from acting defense secretary Christopher C. Miller and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark A. Milley, and realizing that district officials weren't going to turn to the Department of Justice for help instead, as the army had wanted. So what does that mean? Pretty basic. That the, the bureaucrats at the Pentagon resisted the notion of deploying the National Guard in advance. Now, why would they need to deploy the National Guard in advance? If Trump supporters weren't so rabid and dangerous, then you wouldn't need the National Guard in the first place. So follows the midwit argument of Chris Cuomo, Jim Acosta, I'm sure. You know, all those people. Yeah, except for the fact that we now know, again, the narrative unraveling, we now know that it was pre-planned by a fringe bunch of people who even laid their pipe bombs the night before and actually ended up disrupting the objections that were being made by Republicans in the electoral count process. You see, the electoral count was always going to end up happening, right? Delay or not. But what the January the 6th people did, and I don't particularly know, nor at this point in time do I care, what groups they were a part of. That's that's secondary or tertiary information to what we need to know which is who was responsible for the fact that it was even able to happen. Because that's your underlying setting, right? That's the setting. That's the atmosphere. That's everything about the event. 
is why is something like that even able to happen? I mean, the Washington Post in this article has called it the worst security, uh, you know, blunder since 9-11. So let's find out why and who and how it took place. Who it took place. <laughs> so, Sekdef Miller basically takes the word of the president, Trump, to say, you need 10,000 National Guard troops, and the army, these bureaucrats are saying, nah, optics, mate. Optics. It's such a, it's a, such a horrible, horrible DC term, optics. What you mean is public relations. What you mean is PR. What you mean is don't look bad. Don't want to look bad. Right? But they get optics. No, it's optics. Classic, classic middle level IQ way of describing something. Make it sound cool. You just, you don't want to look bad. And so what you did was you shirked your responsibilities in toto. So the army says optics. We don't want to do this. We don't like how it looks. Why? Why were they saying that? Because of how the left, the media, Mayor Bowser, all hit the army after the BLM riots of 2020. I don't know if you remember this. I don't even know if you knew me back then. I've been around a while. I went down there the next day after the first round of riotousness outside of Lafayette Square. Immediately noticed that down the back of St. John's Church, you know, where the, where the president went and held up the Bible, right down the back of that, there was a suitcase. What, what, why is that relevant? Antifa and Antifa you know, related activists, what they tend to do is roll suitcases of bricks and cinder blocks and rocks into places where they know they're going to want to assault a line of people. In this case, Secret Service, Park Police, outside the White House, May of 2020. We all kind of seem to have collectively forgotten that, you know, Trump went into the bunker. They called him the bunker bitch, remember? That was trending on, on social media. In other words, what I'm saying is the left actually did attack the White House, organized attack, insurrection, you might say, on the White House in 2020. And they had weapons with them when they were doing it. They were, they were armed with weapons when they were doing it. And we know this how? Well, we know it because of the extensive reporting on the matter by places like the Washington Post. I hope, I hope I'm not going around the houses too much and you're sticking with me. And I hope this is useful to you. And if it has been useful to you, then please think about sharing this with somebody. So the extensive reporting on this from Reuters and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post, because remember, they all gloried in calling him bunker bitch. They loved that. So they went so far into the reporting on that that on June the 3rd, 
The Washington Post publishes an article that says protesters' breach of temporary fences near White House complex prompted Secret Service to move Trump to secure bunker. I'm going to quote from that article here for you. A Washington Post report dated 3rd of June 2020. Okay, It said, quote, President Trump was rushed to a secure bunker in the White House on Friday evening after a group of protesters hopped over temporary barricades set up near the Treasury Department grounds, according to arrest records and people familiar with the incident. Secret Service officers detained at least four protesters who were charged with unlawful entry at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, according to arrest records. And you're thinking, yeah, I, I remember that, Raheem. You know, I don't have the mind of a goldfish. That all happened. We still, there's the video is still out there. We know what that looks like, right? Right. Fast forward. Can't, I can't believe I'm doing this. Fast forward to March the 3rd, 2021, i.e. two weeks ago. The Washington Post. There was no attack on the White House last year. That's their headline. That's their headline on an article that denies what another of their own articles established less than a year before. If you want to know what kind of psychopaths we're dealing with here, ladies and gentlemen, that is the best example I can offer you, contemporaneously. They are lying. And their own reporting proves they're lying. This is how far these people have to go and are willing to go to deceive the world. The Washington Post is distancing itself. It doesn't say anything about it, by the way. It doesn't say, hey, we reported this back last year. We, we, we regret the error. Actually, four people weren't arrested and nobody was anywhere near the White House. No, they don't say that. They just come up with a new article that says there was no attack on the White House last year. Well, their old one's still up. I've got those screen grabs in my article up at thenationalpulse.com. I want you to go and grab that and, and share it everywhere. Just, I've done it as a graphic, as a side-by-side. -side. So you can right-click it, save it down to your computer or your phone, and just blast it everywhere you want, okay? Don't say I never do anything for you. So the White House was attacked by an armed mob who wanted to remove Trump. The president had to go to the bunker. Uh, the Secret Service made arrests at the time. They burned down, or tried to burn down, they burned, at least, St. John's Church. And then, remember, the reaction from Bowser and the world's press was, Trump used gas! He gassed, he gassed protesters outside the White House. And that is what caused the optics fear from the Pentagon that led to the National Guard not being deployed despite the fact we know now that there were there was pre-intelligence about the pre-planned attack. So even though the intelligence existed, even though the strategic and moral imperatives existed, the army 
effectively glossed over the 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 insistence of its own commander in chief that they would need 10,000 national guard on the street to keep the peace to keep people safe and secure and ensure nothing wild took place what is going on in the US military i mean what is going on when the acting secretary of defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs have to engage in a rapid response pressure campaign to get the Pentagon to do what they need it to do. How is this happening? What coup already took place that this is how it has to happen? So I just want to summarize this for you, okay? And I know I've probably missed a few bits out here and there. I'm just, for me, a lot of it is I'm, I'm writing this, I'm talking to you about it, and I'm actually going through the details in my head at the same time and looking for other holes. It's just the way I work. It's not particularly efficient. So my piece ends with a now we know section, right? And I, I really, really need you to, you can just copy and paste that. You don't even have to give me any credit. I'd love it if you sent the link to your friends and family, but even if you don't want to, just take this information and use it. Now we know, it's headlined, right at the bottom of the article, the conclusion. What we finally know about the Capitol riot is that bad actors pre-planned the disruption of the objections, just as Republicans were about to lay their cases out for a special investigation into the November 3rd election. We now know that Trump approved using the National Guard to secure Washington, D.C. and the Capitol, and we know the timeline of events makes it such that no earnest Trump supporter in town on that day there to listen to the president's speech at the Ellipse could have been present at the Capitol attack as it began. We also know that Mayor Muriel Bowser refused the deployment of the National Guard and Army bureaucrats stymied attempts by Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller to ensure a day of safety. Finally, we now know the rationale behind the Army's unwillingness to cooperate. What Capitol Police Chief Steve Sund said all along. Optics. In a bid to avoid another public relations crisis, as the Army felt it had, after the May 2020 storming of the White House and subsequent DC rioting, they shirked their core duties. The true tale of January the 6th is not one of Trump supporting shame and marauding through the Capitol, but rather one of willful institutional failures by leading political, military, and media figures. And the question you ask whenever something like this happens, ladies and gentlemen, is qui bono? Who benefits? These organizations, these institutions, these people, they don't take certain lines for the fun of it. They do it because somebody benefits. I've got to head back over to the war room now. Hope you check it out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Make sure you share it with your friends, thenationalpulse.com forward slash support. If you like what we do here, 
if you like me and my work, hey, if you just like my accent, thenationalpulse.com forward slash support. I don't say that for fun either. Please, you listening to this, not anybody else, don't rely on anybody else to fund real news. You do it. Help us out. And I'll see you again probably tomorrow.